It was funny at the session meeting uh, where Matthew uh, graciously volunteered to fill in for me. After the meeting, he was like, I gotta turn to Jeremiah 5 and see what I got myself into. My first thought was, I gotta turn to Jeremiah 5 and see what I gave up. <laughs> um, but before I, I uh, introduce and read our passage today, uh, let me open our time together in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for your goodness uh, to us, for your long-suffering uh, patience uh, toward us, um, but uh, we know that um, your justice will prevail, and you must put an end uh, to our sin. You must pour out uh, your wrath and judgment upon it, um, and we thank you um, that you are a just God, but we also thank you that you're a gracious God. And that justice, that wrath that uh, we deserved was poured out on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we come uh, this morning uh, with um, longing to hear about you and your word, longing to hear about uh, your faithfulness, but also to learn from the unfaithfulness of your people. Uh, may they be a warning uh, to us. Um, we similarly, similarly to them uh, have um, uncircumcised ears. Um, we so often uh, refuse to, to listen to your word. Um, we uh, refuse to see our, our own shame. So we pray that uh, you would give us ears to hear. Um, open our hearts that we might be uh, touched by your word, instructed by it, um, that you would not just instruct our minds, but you would guide our wills as well. Uh, and we lift all these things in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so uh, last week I was away and missed uh, your great discussion of chapter 5, led by Pastor Kerr. Um, chapter 5 is the middle piece of a longer, or slightly longer discourse uh, at the beginning of Jeremiah. It started back in chapter 4, and it will continue through our passage today in chapter 6. So this chapter focuses on, or, or these chapters focus on the coming of an enemy from the north who will serve as God's instrument of punishment for Judah's sin. So chapter 5 began with God commanding the prophet to diligently search for, uh, diligently search through the streets of Jerusalem to find, quote, just one who does justice and seeks truth that I may pardon her. Uh, Unfortunately, among both the poor and the great, uh, the great who should know better, all alike had broken the yoke, they had burst their bonds. Uh, therefore, God decreed to bring a nation from afar to consume his people and their land, but even in the midst of this judgment, God promised to be faithful to the promises he made by declaring he will, quote, not make a full end of you. Chapter 5 ended with a description of some of the sins that characterized uh, Judah and which justified God's bringing of punishment. Uh, the people did not fear the Lord, but instead, with a stubborn and rebellious heart, they have turned aside and gone away. Whereas earlier, Jeremiah focused on their adulterous idolatry, in chapter 5, he in emphasized their rapacious injustice. They, quote, know no bounds and deeds of evil, they judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the needy. God then ended chapter 5 asking two rhetorical questions. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord, and shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, the priests rule at their direction, my people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? So that's how chapter 5 ended. So chapter 6 will begin by describing the coming end of Jerusalem through yet another description of this disaster from the north, and then follows a dialogue between the prophet and, and God in which national complacency is exposed, followed by a clear statement that elaborate rituals are no substitute for obedience, and then uh, turning to the invader to the, from the north once again. So with that as a word of introduction, uh, hear now the word of God from Jeremiah chapter 6. I'll begin in verse 1 and read through the entirety of the chapter. 
Flee for safety, O people of Benjamin, from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tekoa and raise a signal on Beth Hakarim. For disaster looms out of the north and great destruction. The lovely and delicately bred I will destroy, the daughter of Zion. Shepherds with their flocks shall come against her. They shall pitch their tents around her. They shall pasture each in his place. Prepare war against her. Arise and let us attack at noon. Woe to us, for the day declines, for the shadows of evening lengthen. Arise and let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. For thus says the Lord of hosts, cut down her trees, cast up a siege mound against Jerusalem. This is the city that must be punished. There is nothing but oppression within her. Sorry. There is nothing but oppression within her, as well as a well keeps its water fresh, so she keeps fresh her evil. Violence and destruction are heard within her. Sickness and wounds are ever before me. Be warned, O Jerusalem, lest I turn from you in disgust, lest I make you a desolation and uninhabited land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall glean thoroughly as a vine the remnant of Israel, Like a gape-gatherer pass your hand again over its branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Therefore, I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it out upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men also. Both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very very aged. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices because they have not paid attention to my words, and as for my law, they have rejected it. What use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba, or sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend shall perish. Thus says the Lord, behold, a people coming from the north country, a great nation is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They they lay hold on bow and javelin. They are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring sea. They ride on horses and set in array as a man for battle against you, O daughter of Zion. We have heard the report of it. Our hands fall helpless. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman in labor. Go out into, go not out into the field, nor walk on the road, for the enemy has a sword. Terror is on every side. O daughter of my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes. Make mourning as for an only son, most bitter lamentation. For suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. I have made you a tester of metals among my people, that you may know and test their ways. They are all stubbornly rebellious, going about with slanders. 
They are bronze and iron. All of them act corruptly. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. In vain the refining goes on, for the wicked are not removed. Rejected silver they are called, for the Lord has rejected them. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. All right, so as we jump into chapter 6, um, uh, we get this poetic description of what's going to happen to Judah and Jerusalem. So as you look at this poetry, poetic language, primarily in verses 6 through 8 is where we'll start, or verses 1 through 8 of chapter 6 is where we'll start. Um, yeah, what kind of picture does God paint of Jerusalem's coming future? What kind of things jump out at you? Yes, sir. Yeah, a siege is what we're given this uh, prophetic description of a siege coming. And, and notice how, like, normally you flee to a high city like Jerusalem, and they're told to run away from it <laughs> um, because this siege is coming. And once you're trapped in that city, it, it's going to be horrible. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, and they're like, you know, th this lovely daughter of, of Zion, like, and the delicate, like, the, you know, it's, the language there is kind of strange, the lovely and delicate bread, I will destroy the daughter of Zion. Shepherds with their flock shall come against her, they shall pitch their tents around her, they shall eat pasture each in his place. It's almost the idea, like, the delicate bread there is like she's the fresh, Jerusalem's the fresh grass, and the shepherd's going to bring these <laughs> sheep all around them, and they're just going to, like, mmm, tasty. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful, and it's about to be consumed, just as, as you said, Dave, it's all going to be um, eaten up and destroyed. Good. What else um, jumps out at you from these poetic description of what's about to befall um, Jerusalem. So we get a picture of a siege, a picture of um, the, the, you know, destruction. Yes, Teresa. Yeah, the things that make, uh, you know, the city beautiful and make the city, like, you know, you want a city that is um, surrounded by, by trees that provide shade, that provide fuel for fires, like, you know, all the, the things that make this such a lovely and, and useful place are suddenly going to be turned against it. Those trees are going to be cut down, and, and they're going to be used as part of these instruments of war that, are, are gonna, um, that God's going to use to bring, bring destruction upon them. And notice how, like, it starts off um, describing this disaster looming out of the north, this great destruction that's coming. And, you know, in chapter 5, he attributed that to a particular nation, and he's going to say that again uh, later in our chapter. He's going to talk about a people coming from the north country. Um, but it's very clear that in, in this image that it's God who's, who's bringing this um, this destruction, this punishment against you. Um, it, it's, he's the one who has, has brought this nation to the walls of Jerusalem. And, and here, through this poetic picture, Jeremiah is giving them a warning. Like, you know, again, it, it's a graphic description, and it's so graphic we can, we can almost be tempted to think, oh, he's writing it after it happened and writing down what they did. But he's seeing it ahead of time, because it's intended, as we see in verse 8, as a warning. Be warned, O Jerusalem. So the, the idea here is it's, you know, even though the destruction is coming, he's, God is still giving this call to his people over and over again to turn. Um, turn your, your face toward me before I turn my wrath upon you. Greg, were you going to say something? 
<laughs> you look like you wanted to raise your hand. I could see the anticipation of you raising your hand in your face. Yeah, and it is. I love that that words the words you use there. Like it's with inner, and notice the description he uses. It's like a well. Like and again, like in a fortified city, you want cisterns, you want wells, you want springs because that's what's gonna you know, want the source of water from within you to sustain you. So they have a well, but what's their well? As a well keeps its water fresh, so she keeps fresh her evil. Um, Violence and destruction are heard within her. So, you know, exactly to your point, Greg, it's, it's coming from within her. Like that, and this is why she deserves this, this punishment and this destruction, because the wellspring in her midst isn't producing the good that God has called his people to, but it is only evil springing up out of this well. The thing that, you know, the things that are in Jerusalem that are supposed, su supposed to sustain them are actually the things that are poisoning them <laughs> um, in so many ways. Um, like when we get to chapter 7, uh, next week, you know, they're like, oh, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Like no disaster will come upon us because we've got the temple. Um, and, and they're not paying attention to the evil, and I think you're right. Uh, it's particularly the, the kind of social injustices that he's focusing on in, in this section. Like earlier, he was focusing on their um, spiritual adultery through their idolatrous practices, and, and that's going to be a repeated theme. <laughs> like you're burning your children to Molech. That's bad. Um, but you're also defrauding the, the poor, the helpless, the fatherless, um, for your own selfish gain. That's awful, too. Sandy, you had your... Yeah, and it's that picture where, where, where Jesus is talking about, you know, when he's discussed talking with the Pharisees. Like, yeah, you're washing the outside of the cup, but what's, what's coming up from within? Like, the filth within is what, where the corruption, real corruption is. And, like, you know, and we, we talked about in past weeks, like, we don't have dates for this, but um, we do know it's come on the tail end of, Josiah's reforms and he's found the book of the law and he started to implement these reforms and it's that idea that what Jeremiah is condemning, they've adopted some outward practices to wash the outside but within is you know, a spring of evil and that is what has to be treated um, and just by doing ceremonies or sacrifices isn't going to touch the real problem, which is in their hearts, as he's been telling us. Good. Anything else you want to say on verses 1 through 8 before we shift on to our next section? Once? Twice? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and Deuteronomy is Jeremiah's favorite book. <laughs> um, and that's what he's saying. Like, you know, yes, God, God has made these covenant promises to you, but there are obligations. Um, and there are blessings if you, you, you know, with your whole heart turn to the Lord, and there are curses if you turn away from him. And, and what Jeremiah is saying is he's, he's not, um, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because he's not prophesying something new. <laughs> um, and we see that, like, you know, his call to them in um, verse um, 16 to the old past, like, he's like, you don't need a new direction you need to follow the laws that God has already given you. Like, you know, it, how do you avert this coming disaster? It, it's not by, all right, I've got a new five-step plan to avoid God's wrath. It's like, no, <laughs> you have the law. Uh, God has told you this is what's going to happen to you, but they're, they're not listening. Um, as uh, he said in chapter 5, verse 21, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. And then in our chapter, um, in verse 10, behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. So it's not an absence of um, truth being spoken to them or an absence of the presence of the law among them. It's their refusal to listen to that law. Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, they're, they're, they're called to, you know, this is the call for his people. And it's a call in relationship. Like, it's a call that's coming, and, you know, from, you know, the book of Deuteronomy is a law book, but it's, it's more than just abstract laws. It's laws given in a relationship of God and his people. He's made a covenant with them, and he has promised to bring them into the land and to bless them, but he's also promised if you disobey, the curses of this covenant uh, are going to fall upon you, and the land will be taken from you. Um, so, yeah, it is this pattern that um, God has laid out in Deuteronomy that Jeremiah is picking up and preaching to the people um, in, in this moment, um, trying to warn them of the coming destruction. It's like, <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's one of those things. And again, Jeremiah is both telling them, you're going to be sent off to a land, and it's not going to be a short stay. <laughs> um, like later in the book, um, he sends messages to the people who'd already been taken to Babylon saying, build a house. <laughs> you know, you're going to be there 70 years. Like, make, you know, like, make a livelihood, make yourself comfortable, and... And they're, again, they know, like, the, the word comes back to Judah and Jerusalem that Jeremiah is saying this, and they're like, no, the captivity is going to be short. It's not going to be, and, like, Jeremiah is, like, pulling his hair out, like, do you people, why, why aren't you listening? <laughs> um, okay, good. Well, let's turn to the, to the next section. So, um, like in chapter 5, where um, Jeremiah gave us a picture of, uh, or, God sent Jeremiah out to go look for, for just one. Like, it's, it's kind of that test of, we saw back in Genesis with the story of Sodom, Gomorrah, like, are there ten righteous, five righteous? Here, it's just one. <laughs> Can we find one? <laughs> um, no. Um, uh, the picture uh, in chapter 6, um, God, like a grape gatherer, searches amongst the remnant for someone to warn um, but, uh, but no one pays heeds to God's word. So, um, yeah, so what are some of the specific sins that Jeremiah details in these verses um, that um, contribute to their uh, intentional deafness? Like, it's not deaf from, like, they're not deaf because they don't have hearing. It's deaf, like, 
you know, when I was a child, I was deaf, and I chose not to hear my mother call my name eight times <laughs> because I'm in the middle of my video game. <laughs> nope, didn't hear that. <laughs> um, background noise. Um, so yeah, so what, what are some of the, so he, he's told them this destruction's coming, and now he's gonna, um, he, he shifts to sort of delving into some of the reasons why. So what are some of those reasons why we see in these verses? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, um, one of the commentators I looked at said a very similar thing. Um, a similar warning comes to our generation and our day. We, have, we too have, for the most part, lost our ability to blush and to experience shame over how we are acting and thinking. It's no longer all about God and his ways. No, it's all instead about us figuring things out, making money, solving our own problems. Um, so, yeah, it's like we're, yeah, that's a nice old message, but, but you know, we, we like to have our options and look into other ways and think about things from different, and so, you know, they, 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 as Jeremiah said, they should take pleasure in it. Like, it's, it's good. Like, this should be, you should pleasure in it. And rather than taking pleasure, it's an object of scorn. Like, they turn their noses. Like, so something that's supposed to be, you know, good, like, to them it's an object of scorn. It's like me when I was little, like, foods I would turn my nose up, and now I'm like, boy, I was an idiot. That's really good. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, uh, I scorned it, and in reality, it's it's something good and, and results in pleasure. Um, but I denied myself um, the enjoyment by treating it with scorn, and that's the idea. They're they're treating God's word as you know something to be despised, when in reality, it's something beautiful and brings pleasure to them. Greg, I saw your hand there. <laughs> oh yeah okay sorry I see this is why I should shut up and listen more <laughs> because you have the answers I'm just like getting you to express them so um, I, I shouldn't uh, spit them all out um, so good so one of the reasons we see why this judgment is coming is because they've adopted this attitude of we, we don't really need God's instruction, um, they don't want God's instruction, when God's instruction comes, um, rather than it being pleasing to them, uh, they treat it with scorn. Good, what else do we see, um, Jeremiah? Yeah. Yeah, when I'm bringing war against you, why are you preaching peace? Um, and it's this idea of, like, when he, he gets to that point, he, he's, he's like, they've healed the wound of my people lightly, or some translations have slightly. It's the idea, like, like the first time I ever had to get stitches, like, I slapped a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> and then, like, was freaking out. Why is this thing not bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, don't worry about the artery pumping blood out. Like, you know, it's like the guy in uh, Monty Python. Oh, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> You've lost a leg. <laughs> oh, it'll it'll be okay. <laughs> just give me a minute. I'll be fine. Yeah. 
that, and we've seen that, you know, repeatedly back in chapter two in his first thing, um, you know, blast against the people's sin. It, the worst part is not, the, not just the sins that they're committing, but they are feeling zero guilt or remorse for the things they're doing. Like, so they're doing it brazenly. They're doing it shamefully. Like when we saw uh, a few chapters back, he compares um, Judah and Israel to, um, you know, uh, the, he, he says they have the face of a prostitute. Like, so it's not, rather than having eyes cast down um, in shame, you know, a head bowed, it's brazen, you know, their, their forehead is jutting forward, they're going into it. Yeah, they think they're doing good, they think they're fine, and they're pursuing their evil ways um, without any hint of um, hesitancy. Like, it's brazen, it is unashamedly in pursuit of, of evil. And and calling it good, and they're, it, and it starts at the top, like their, their priests and their prophets are complicit in this, the people who, who should know better, um, and that's the description he keeps giving us, you know, they're the ones who should know the way of the Lord, um, you know, and they're the ones who are, you know, leading the way and in, in instructing the people in and having no shame. <laughs> Apply this to modern times? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, uh, should sound a lot like our culture where, you know, the, the moral compass has been flipped upside down where what we call good is called evil and what we call evil is called good. And that, um, you know, there is, there should be no shame um, about any sexual activity. There should be no shame about um, pursuing what you want in the way you want it. Like, you know, uh, greed is, like, you know, greed is good. Like, that's the, the message that, it, you know, is proclaimed to us. What you want, go for it. Grab it. Like, because this life is all there is and you better get all of it out as you can now because there's nothing else. Um, and so don't be ashamed of that. Don't feel bad about that. Yes? Just going back to verse 8. Really? Oh, yeah. Every uh, a slanderer, like, you know, like, um, but so lots of things that, that you brought out there, um, you know, and, and I loved how you said, you know, their, their, their relationship with God leads to all kinds, you know, or you know, bad relationship to God produces all these kinds of moral evils. And when we get to abomination, the abomination that Jeremiah is gonna come back to multiple times and is they are taking their children and burning them alive to, you know, before this God, Molech. And um, I had a seminary professor who actually did his PhD at the University of Chicago. <laughs> um, but he was, he's, he was trained as an archeologist and he did an archeological dig um, 
uh, I think it was in Carthage. Um, I, I can't remember exactly. It was either Carthage or a Carthaginian city that practiced child sacrifice like this. And the thing that he came out of the study is child sacrifice skyrocketed when their prosperity skyrocketed. Like we might think it's the, like sacrifice your children um, to get good things. It's at the moment when they were most prosperous, that's the time he's digging up jars with babies' bones in them. You know, so he you know, like finds this field with all these jars of children's bones in them, and he dates it to the period where they're the most prosperous. And I think that I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's the picture we have here. Like, you know, they're after love and gain, and they're willing to sacrifice anything to get it. Even their children pursue other gods to to get whatever blessing they think they can can get. And you know, they're they're, it's an abomination before God. Like, later on, he's going to say, like, it never even entered in my mind for you to do these kind of things, and you're doing them. It's like, God's like, your sin is like beyond even my own comprehension. Like, I never commanded you to do this. What, what put it in your head that, to think that, you know, sacrificing your children in this abominable way is good? Um, and again, it's the idea, like, they're doing it, and as Rob said, they're calling it good. Um, they have no shame about doing it. Um, they're proud of it because, look, see how religious we are. See how devote we are, devout we are. We're, we're willing to sacrifice our children. Um, so what should be seen as an abomination, they're like, this is business as usual. Sandy, were you? Oh, you just moved. <laughs> it's like an auctioneer, like you twitch a little and it's like, okay. <laughs> I accidentally bought a painting once that way. So um, I tried to weasel out of it, but I couldn't. Like, no, sir, you uh, <laughs> clearly did. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it, it's evil grows best when there's no one to like douse it. <laughs> um, like, and it's I, like if no one's saying that's wrong, like, and uh, you know, and everybody's like, as you say, even if that, you know, like you're not committing that particular sin, but if you're um, accepting of it and like, oh, you know, that's great. <laughs> you know, like when somebody's telling your story, oh, that's terrific. Uh, so happy for you. And it's like, wait, no, that's an abomination. Like, why are you cheerleading for that? And I think you're right. That, again, is the, the place our culture so often tries to put us in. All right, so you won't do these things, but will you not judge us for doing those things? Will you not... Um, you know, don't come to us t trying to bring your your shame um, and put them on put your shame on our actions. Like we we want you. If you're not going to do it, you have to at least accept us doing it. Hmm. <laughs> well, we're moving there. Like, but initially, like again, it's like yeah. Um, Yeah, that you, you know, it, you, you don't say anything against it, and then you have to cheerlead it for it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Pride Month. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's a... <laughs> As accused. Which gets to um, uh, the, the backwards part. Um, uh, you know, look, so, so he gives the description of the sins, and then in verse um, 16, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Um, 
where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Um, so that he's calling them back to this old way of doing things. Um, and they're saying, we will not walk in it. Um, he says, pay attention. Say, we won't pay attention. <laughs> um, you know, so he, he's calling them back to his law, to his ways, and they're refusing to listen. Um, so in verses 18 and 19, um, you have this God calling on the nations and the earth um, to witness. Therefore, hear, O nations, and, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. O hear, hear, O earth, behold, I'm bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their de devices. Um, so he's calling on uh, all the nations. He's calling on the earth itself to stand as witness against his people and witness to, um, to, to the judgment that's about to befall them. So in a sense, he's calling us to, to you know, like we serve in this, even though we're afar, <laughs> um, but you know, we're of the nations. Um, uh, yeah, what does he want us to witness here? Um, what are we supposed to see when he calls us to, to this moment to witness this judgment being poured out, poured out upon his people, what are we being called to witness? What are we supposed to see? Yeah, so it's the idea, like, again, you, like, uh, in the practice of New Testament discipline, you go to the person, you tell them that they don't listen, you bring two other people to come, um, both as an encouragement, but also as a witness to sort of, like, look, you're, you're not heeding instruction. So, in, uh, so I, yeah, so they're steadfastly refusing to listen. We will not walk in it. We will not pay attention. And he's calling on the nations and the earth to say, look, it's not I'm being unreasonable. <laughs> it's not like I'm being unclear. Um, yeah, you yourselves can see that they have rightfully incurred this judgment and wrath. Exactly. Like, don't, like, we, we saw that comparison back in chapter 3. Like, Israel did it, they got taken into exile. You're doing it. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> um, and for us, like, it, it is absolutely a warning for us. Like, you know, yes, we're God's people, and, but that doesn't give us a, a license to do whatever we want. Like, it, it calls for a response to God's love in obedience. Um, it, it calls for something from our heart and not just merely the external going through the motions um, of worship. And that's what we see here. Like, oh, you, you know, and they can pray, look how far we got. Like, we went to the, got the best frankincense ever, had it shipped in for worship, and like, you know, pat, pat, pat. And he's, God's like... Incense? <laughs> I'm incensed at your sinfulness. And you're like thinking like you can cover up your sin with nicely smelling aromas. Like you're paying attention to the external things and you're ignoring the, the matters of the heart. You know, you're, you're not touching the, the thing inside. Like, you know, and again, it's the idea like, well, they're out, outwardly circumcised, but your hearts are uncircumcised. And it's God wants a people after his own heart. That what, that's what he's called us uh, to be. And he didn't call us just to, you know, go through the religious motions. Um, he called us to be something. Um, he didn't call us to, you know, the doing things 
comes out of who we are. It's not we do things to make us something. He's, he's made us something, and he calls us us to be that. Exactly, and he is, Jeremiah is absolutely um, not alone uh, in this. Um, so uh, we don't have, we never have time. <laughs> we, we could spend like years um, on Jeremiah. Um, but uh, just to give you, um, so Jeremiah was not alone in his affirmation that God would not accept costly offerings as a substitute for obedience. So you just want to write these down and you can um, maybe turn to them later. Um, Isaiah 1, chapter 11 to 14, Amos 5, 21, Micah 6, 6 to 8. Um, all those are like very similar um, to this. And that's where we're getting that um, passage where that Dana just quoted. Um, is like, yeah, like, yes, I gave you instructions for sacrifices, but the instructions were sac for sacrifices were to teach you something. <laughs> they weren't the mechanism by which you made yourself right before me. Yeah, Charles. Yeah, so I think what Charles is getting at is this idea of like there is a cultural attitude that we might even, like we might personally be repelled by some expression of that attitude in a particular sin. And it actually can create a situation where we're like, well, we we're not like them. Like, and, and yet we're still participating in the same attitude, the same sin in a different way. Um, and as, so as we, you know, like, to ask your to, to try to start to answer, answer your question, Charles. Like, what do I think? Like, for us, I think one is materialism. Like, like you know, I, I absolutely think we we've bought into the idea that um, he with the must stuff wins kind of attitude. Like, you know, uh, and whether we like we might like, you know, be abhorred by the most extremes expressions of that. I think we still do that. I think, and maybe even more of the root of that, extreme selfishness. Like, again, we've bought into this idea that it's like the individual and the individual's 
uh, identity is the thing that really matters. Um, so, so I think, you know, that uh, we can be repelled by how that selfishness is expressed um, in sexuality, um, but and, and say like, oh, that's terrible, and yet we might be equally as selfish in all our kinds of relationships while we're not doing those explicit, you know, horrendous sins. Like, Look that up. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, we want what we want. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we might, like, again, put boundaries up and sort of say, all right, that's too far, but we still participate in a culture of we want what we want, and and we don't practice like what what does that look like not to do that like you know and that's what we <laughs> we need the external word of God to to call us to not like and that's what he keeps saying here like like and again it's not we we need oh we need some kind of new direction to teach us how we live in the 21st century. <laughs> and Jeremiah's like, no. <laughs> uh, the words God gave us in Deuteronomy are, are good. <laughs> and they're good for whenever and wherever you live. Um, if you take pleasure in them um, and you know, meditate on them day and night and sort of think about, all right, what does this mean for, for how I live now? But instead, um, we, we like have uncircumcised ears, like we shut our ears and we don't want to listen. Yes, sir. Yeah, and we <laughs> and and we participate. Like uh, I remember when I was in college, um, we did. Um, I was working as a youth intern for a church, and we went down to Chattanooga and did. Um, uh, we we did a mission for a mission trip. Um, we in the d daytime we painted um, the house of this um, widow in the church, and then at night we went and ran. Um, uh, basically vacation Bible school for children in projects outside Chattanooga. But they gave us instruction, which I, like some of it, like stuck in 22-year-old <laughs> head that stays in there. And I remember he, he drew on the board what he called the window of sin. And it's, it's it, it like, it's probably like, y'all be like, no duh, but for like me, 22 <laughs> or 30 years ago, it was like, <laughs> But it's like, because again, we, we can focus on, 
like individual, I sinned against Matthew. Like, you know, so an individual can sin against an individual, but an individual can also sin against a group. I can sin against all of you. Um, and then all of us <laughs> can sin against an individual. Like, we can all jump up and, and gang on Rob or something and sin against him. Like, so, you know, like, so, so, like, if you think of the window, it's like the individual can sin against the individual in a group. The group can sin against an individual and can sin against another group. So it, it kind of, like, for me at least, it expanded my definition of sin because as a new convert, I was coming at, like, sin is simply what I do. So I police myself, whereas this is, like, you know, and what I think y'all are getting at is, no, we're part of a corporate body. And again, that's my individual thinking, like self, like that, that root idea of selfishness. I don't think of myself as being part of something bigger. Um, I don't think of myself, it's not natural for me to think of myself as part of a community or a covenant body. Um, that's something I have to, like, again, I need God's attention uh, for God to bring that to my attention. Lee. <laughs> Lee, you want to say something? No, it was you. Oh, it was you. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Kathy. I saw hands. <laughs> no, lesson learned. Like, don't sit by, well, by Greg. <laughs> Obstructed view seating. It's like Fenway. We might not be championing that particular sin, but we're championing something. <laughs> like we and and our and and again, I think though to go back to the warning here um, that I think um, Charles's comment, um, at least for me, helped bring out. Like by our attitude of sort of saying I'm not brazen like that, that helps blind me to the ways that I am brazen. Like I it and so. It's really easy for us to kind of like, you know, adopt that position. Thank God I'm not one of, one of those. Or thank God I'm not like those people over there. Um, and, and being blind to our own sin. Or the way Jesus said, like you're paying attention to the speck in your, your brother's eye and ignoring the plank <laughs> in your own. And that is, like, that is uh, the trap that we can fall into that I think Jeremiah, um, as well as other parts of scripture, are warning us against. Like, and calling us to examine ourselves and sort of to, to, to realize the ways that we too can, we too can live lives where we are unashamed in the things that we should be ashamed of. Um, and that is, is very sobering. All right, um, we are at our time, and I hear my, that's my brother, the train right there arriving. <laughs> so I'm ending just in time. Uh, so when you see a tall guy that kind of looks like me uh, in between worship, that's my brother. So wish him a happy birthday, freak him out. Um, uh, all right, let me uh, close our time together in prayer. Lord God, we thank you um, for, for Jesus. Um, uh, we thank you for him uh, giving us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear. We thank you um, for the heart transplant um, that he has worked in us, where he has taken our, um, our hearts uh, that were uh, trapped in sin and death, um, dead hearts, and has made them alive through his death and resurrection, that he took um, the wrath that we see God um, pouring out upon Jerusalem here, that um, he took that wrath that we too deserve, um, we deserve it in full, um, just as they experienced it, so too we um, have earned it and deserved it. Um, but he uh, bore that wrath, um, and he took his righteousness and clothed us in it. And so we pray that you, um, by your grace, um, would sanctify us, uh, even as you see us uh, sanctified in him. We pray that uh, as we gather in the coming hour, 
that um, our worship today would not be um, uh, mere spiritual veneer um, to uh, otherwise uh, corrupt and sinful hearts, um, but that uh, we would gather together uh, with joy and taking pleasure uh, in your word uh, proclaimed to us that uh, we would not just be hearers of it, but doers as well. Lord, we um, trust in you um, because we know uh, how empty uh, we are. So we ask that you would fill us uh, with your spirit and equip us um, to, to praise and to give you uh, glory and honor. And we ask these things uh, in Christ's name by the power of your spirit. Amen.